Hello, I'm John Rossi, a touring drummer with a love of all things animal. When I'm on the road, I visit as many zoos, aquariums. Hey, wait a minute. What's going on? Hey, what's going on there? Hello? Hello? We interrupt your regularly scheduled program to bring you Rossafari Zoo News. News you can use from the world of zoos and conservation. Every week, we bring you breaking news and analysis from around the globe, featuring the animals you love and the people who care for them. And here's your anchorman, John Rossi. Hello, 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 and welcome back to the Rossafari podcast and our weekly Zoo News episode. Uh, I'm pretty excited to be here and share all of this with y'all. This is our Zoo News, which means it's news about zoos and aquariums and conservation and animals in general, and it is a crowdsourced thing. So uh, if you see any newsworthy stories that you would like to share and maybe hear me talk about on the podcast, feel free to tag me in them on social media, at Rossafari or at Rossafari Pod on TikTok. Um, email them to me. Uh, rossafaripod at gmail.com DM them to me whatever I'm easy to reach and then you'll get to hear your name on the podcast so that's exciting for well everyone I guess anyway I have to tell you all in my non-zoo world I am gigging now in Delaware at Delaware Theater Company we just tonight had our second preview of Million Dollar Quartet there, and uh, it's it's a lot of fun. It's a really cool, very big production of the show. Um, if anyone is in the Philly or Wilmington area and is interested in seeing me do what I do, this is a great opportunity to go ahead and do that. I will also tell you, though, that because this is a rather large and technically advanced production of the show, my week has been bonkers. One of the perks of doing Million Dollar Quartet so much is that we normally just roll in, rehearse for a couple days, get all of the kinks worked out, do a couple days of tech, and then by the time that we've started previews, we are just in full show mode. And this has not been that. Many of our days now, we have been rehearsing all day and then doing the show at night. And it's fine. That's the job. And I love it. And it's great collaborating with these people, um, both at the theater and my fellow cast members. I'm, I'm truly having a wonderful time with all of it. But I'm exhausted. And I've had no time to actually work on the podcast uh, for this episode. As a matter of fact... Normally, I drop these right at midnight on Friday, and it is 11.35 p.m. Thursday night, and I am just starting. Whee! I will say that in this case, it actually worked out for the best, though, because even though this is going to come out a little bit later than normal by, by just a few hours, um, there was some very late-breaking news in the zoo world that I want to share with all of you and uh, give you a chance to partake in a little activism for some animals um we'll, we'll get there we'll talk about that in zoo news but uh, i do love that even when things seem to be going maybe not as smoothly as i had hoped they can end up turning out to be great so yay that and speaking of things that i say yay to yay an ad Today's episode is brought to you by Daydreamers Studios. Do you have stories and expertise to share with the world? Have you ever thought about starting your own podcasts? There's no better time to start than now with the help of a trusted production partner. 
Daydreamer Studios is a full-service production company that takes all the stress off your plate. You can focus on creating engaging content while they focus on recording, editing, audio engineering, hosting, and publishing on 22 platforms. Log into the advanced remote system with one click and the Daydreamer team will be on the other end ready for you to record everything you have to say. Owned and operated by Daydreamer Network, Daydreamer Studios continues on the company's mission to empower storytellers of all kinds by making podcasting accessible to all. For more information and current promotions, visit daydreamernetwork.com slash studios. All right, so with that said, it is time to get to it. We're going to start off with Zoo News. <laughs> I like how I said that, like we don't literally always start off with Zoo News. Anyway, here's Zoo News. I just like saying Zoo News. Zoos. Well, it's one for the pennies, two for the bears, three for the markers. Now you should care, now won't you listen to Zoo News? Oh, you could do anything, but why not listen to Zoo All right. So if you regularly listen to Zoo News, then you know that uh, I, I spoke recently about the Johnson Park Animal Haven in New Jersey, which uh, is a zoo, very not accredited, that lies in a floodplain that is allegedly not taking very good care of its animals. And um, I, I have seen some pictures and such that seem to back this allegation up. Which is why we were all celebrating when Middlesex County officials decided to close the zoo. I was made aware of this uh, from a group known as the Friends of the Johnson Park Animals. And I need to say right here, you know, the term animal rights activist oftentimes means something very different than people who have the best interest in animal rights. Um, it's oftentimes anti-captivity people, that kind of thing. Uh, that is not what the Friends of the Johnson Park Animals Group is all about. As a matter of fact, I know that there are at least a few members who listen to the podcast because they love zoos when zoos are doing good things and, and treating them right. And, and hello, friends that listen from that group. And, and I appreciate so much your passion for having these animals in particular get taken care of while also being very open to the idea of good zoos and the amazing work being done there. Uh, it's very cool to see that in a group like this. What's not cool is that Middlesex County has now changed their mind, at least temporarily. This is, this is not great. The county commissioner, Director Ronald Rios, said that the county plans to hire a professional consultant to assess local infrastructure and provide insight over what should be done at the park's zoo. This is a major concern. Not only does this zoo lie in a floodplain, and have photographic evidence of animals not being taken care of properly at it. But on top of that, there was a huge rehoming effort going on, and many animal sanctuaries have already made space for these animals. Some have even gone as far as to build special enclosures to be able to ensure the proper care of said animals. That costs money, y'all. That takes time. 
That means that these animals are not only not going to be going to this better home, at least right away, but have also cost other sanctuaries money. And we all know how much animal sanctuaries are struggling right now and that, you know, donations are down and stuff due to COVID and everything. Director Rio said, quote, We received comments contrary to closing the park because there were people that were advocating that were animal lovers and they want to have the animals still in Johnson Park. My blunt and quick read of the situation is that it seems like there are people who want to have their own little zoo in their little local park, not really worrying about, you know, the welfare of the actual animals there. I'm not okay with that. The good news here is that if animal experts come in, and they're actual animal experts, my guess is that they will recommend shutting the zoo down. However, we all know that there are plenty of, quote, experts who get those quotes because they're not really looking out for the best interest of animals. And I'm concerned that that's what's going to happen here. So this afternoon or evening or morning or whenever the heck you're listening to this, I'm giving you a homework assignment. If this is something that you care about at all, if this is something that you can take a couple of minutes to do to help save animals, I would appreciate it. Send an email to ronald.rios, that's R-I-O-S, at co.middlesex.nj.us and let him know that this zoo needs to be closed for animal welfare reasons, period. And don't worry, y'all. I know that government email addresses are ridiculously long. If you look in the show notes, I will have a little guide on what you can do to help make your voice heard. This matters not just because of the animals in the zoo that are living substandard lives, but also because one of the biggest threats to good zoos is bad zoos. Thanks in advance to anyone who's willing to write an email. So as you all know, one of the biggest stories that we have been following uh, recently on Zoo News is the battle over accreditation between the AZA and the Columbus Zoo. Well, I have an update for you as issued by the zoo. I'm just going to go ahead and read it. Based on the zoo's written request to appeal the denial of its AZA accreditation, the AZA Executive Committee voted to forward the zoo's appeal for consideration by the full AZA Board of Directors. The hearing will take place during the board's next meeting, the afternoon of December 13th. The zoo filed a detailed request to appeal in November after the AZA Accreditation Commission denied the zoo's accreditation in early October. During this process, the zoo remains accredited. Following its commitment to remain transparent, the zoo will inform the public of the AZA board's final decision as soon as it is available. So, obviously, I'll have more information about that shortly after December 13th. I assume it'll be shortly. I don't know. I guess it could take a while. But anyway, I'm really excited to see how this goes and really hope that the AZA reverses their decision in this case for the reasons that I detailed in a special episode of the podcast that you could go and listen to if you haven't heard it yet. A quick note of congratulations to Zoo New England in Boston as they celebrate over 1 million guests visiting in 2021, breaking their all-time attendance record. Not only is that amazing because it means zoos really are bouncing back from COVID, or 
at least Zoo New England is. And, um, you know, more guests means more money, means more education, means more conservation, means all kinds of good things. But it's also important to me because I helped. I visited multiple times. That's right, y'all. I helped set that record. But seriously, congratulations to Zoo New England. Cleveland Metro Parks Zoo has announced the birth of a baby gorilla, the first in the zoo's history. This is exciting not only because gorillas are incredibly endangered and because the zoo has never had a birth there before, but it's also interesting because the mother of the baby showed very little maternal instinct. Fortunately, during the pregnancy, zookeepers at Cleveland Metro Parks had reached out to other zoos that regularly have gorilla births and learned all kinds of stuff, including that other females in the gorilla troop will often step up and take over the rearing of a baby that is abandoned by its mother. As such, rather than rushing in and having to hand-raise the gorilla and deal with all of the issues that come with that, the staff knew to keep an eye on the situation and let nature happen. And in this case, one of the other females did step in and is now the surrogate mother of this gorilla. Great work to Cleveland Metro Parks Zoo. Congrats on the baby. And also, I just love hearing about zoos collaborating like that. Such a great story. And speaking of gorillas, the staff at Zoo Miami recently trained Barney, a 28-year-old silverback lowland gorilla, to use a nebulizer. During a recent exam, it was diagnosed that Barney was suffering from a minor case of pneumonia that would require treatment. And as you probably know, in humans, many respiratory ailment treatments involve using a nebulizer, which allows the patient to breathe in medications that can directly reach the lungs. The problem, of course, is that you can't actually explain that to a gorilla, and also that, um... Barney weighs almost 400 pounds and is protected contact. However, the team was able to work on this and were able to successfully train Barney to sit still while presenting his nose to a zookeeper separated by a safety barrier in the holding facility at the gorilla habitat. The keeper is then able to place the nebulizer in front of Barney's nostrils, where he has been trained to take deep breaths to properly inhale the medication. The treatments have been happening for the past several weeks and have been incredibly successful, and uh, Barney is well on his way to recovering from pneumonia. This is just amazing to me. I love everything that went into this, from the husbandry to the training to just the dedication of the staff at Zoo Miami. What an amazing place. And that brings us to... Conservation! Conservation! News time! Oh yeah! Our friends at the Giraffe Conservation Foundation have officially set plans in motion to bring giraffe back to Mozambique. This is the most ambitious giraffe translocation ever attempted by GCF. The plan is that over the next five years, uh, multiple partners, but spearheaded by GCS, will work together to bring over 350 individual giraffes to four key areas within Mozambique. Mozambique currently only has 250 giraffes 
left in the country. So this is going to more than double the population and reestablish southern giraffe within their historic range and open up over 3 million acres of prime habitat for giraffe to thrive in. This is hugely, hugely exciting and also hugely expensive. So uh, please consider visiting giraffeconservation.org slash donate to help fund this amazing, unprecedented conservation effort. Two tribes of Native Americans that live at the Fort Belknap Indian Reservation in Montana are working with the Smithsonian Conservation Biology Institute to restore swift fox populations to their native lands in Montana. Fort Belknap Fish and Wildlife have teamed up with the Smithsonian Conservation Biology Institute to translocate 70 foxes from Colorado and Wyoming for release on the reservation. Scientists are tracking the foxes with GPS collars and monitoring population growth using camera trap photos and scent stations. As a matter of fact, some of these have already shown kits with no collars, meaning that the foxes are not only back in the area, but are already breeding. Another great example of the success that can come from local individuals teaming up with zoos and conservation organizations for conservation projects like this. Love it. And speaking of stories like that, Texas Parks and Wildlife Department officials took six turtles to the Center for Conservation and Research at the San Antonio Zoo way back in 2018 when they were discovered near death near Marfa, Texas. These turtles were rough-footed mud turtles, which are critically endangered, and all six of them were in really bad shape, in part because the pond the turtles were found in was badly polluted, had really bad water quality, and also because the turtles had been attacked by parasites and skin infections. Now, we tell a lot of rehab stories here where an institution will put in months or even a year helping animals recover before releasing them. But in this case, the six turtles were in rehabilitation at the San Antonio Zoo for three and a half years. During those three and a half years, Texas Parks and Wildlife worked to rehabilitate the pond the turtles called home. And as such, those turtles have been reintroduced into the pond they called home three and a half years ago. Only now, both the turtles and the pond are healthy. Man, I love good conservation stories. Portugal has now become the fourth country in the European Union to stop using coal to generate electricity. It recently shut down the last remaining coal plant in the country, joining Belgium, Austria, and Sweden as countries that do not use coal to generate electricity in the EU. Currently, 60 to 70% of the electricity in Portugal comes from renewable sources. So, yeah, this can be done, y'all. And speaking of the European Union, Australia is not a part of it. However, Australia's Great Barrier Reef has started to erupt in color again because of new corals spawning. Quick reminder that if you don't know this, corals are animals, and you can go back and listen to uh, an episode from earlier this season at Moat Marine Laboratory where you'll learn all about corals and what's being done to save them. It's really cool and really interesting. 
Anyway, this is really exciting news for the Great Barrier Reef because it has been mostly white lately and has been dying off. But now divers and scientists are seeing the birth of billions of coral babies in the area there. This is a huge indication that the world's biggest coral reef ecosystem may be recovering from climate change issues that have been wiping it out lately. This is really exciting news, y'all. The Biden-Harris administration has announced plans to strengthen federal protections for the nation's waterways by replacing a Trump-era rule that significantly reduced protections for thousands of wetlands and streams. This is super exciting news for conservation in the United States, but also goes back to a point that I've made on this podcast before, which is that it's starting to feel like what's going to happen now is just every time a new party takes over, they just reverse the work done by the last party. And thus the ping pong ball will continue to bounce back and forth, back and forth. But if those protections keep going away, even for short periods of time, we'll ultimately have negative consequences. And, um, that sucks. We need people to be more focused on actually saving the planet. Conservation matters. Preaching to the choir. I know. But hey, at least the Biden-Harris administration has taken these steps for now. It's, it's something. Reversing bad decisions is always a great start. And now it's time for... In other I've mentioned before in this very spot that deer and some other wildlife in the United States now carry the disease that leads to COVID-19. Well, it turns out that that has crossed the border and Canada has now announced that some of their wildlife, including their white-tailed deer, have contracted the disease. The government is quick to point out that there is no known case of transfer between deer and humans of COVID-19, at least not yet, and not that we officially know of. So uh, yeah, but it's interesting to see that there is another country that is now having an outbreak in their deer population other than the U.S. A recent study has discovered that fish regularly rub up against predatory sharks because they need to exfoliate. Basically, these fish are using sharks as scrub brushes by pushing up against their scaly bodies to get rid of parasites and other irritants. The behavior is dangerous, and while it's been known for a while that this would occasionally happen, a new study has shown that it's incredibly common. The behavior is known as chafing whenever a fish rubs up against anything for exfoliation purposes. Uh, they often will use sand or substrate. But shark chafing appears to be the only scenario in nature where prey actively seek out and rub up against a predator. Uh, yeah, that's not the safest idea now, is it, friends? The study recorded the behavior in 12 different fish species using eight different shark species as their scrub brushes. And yes, this includes great white sharks. Though it is not confirmed, it is believed that the reason fish make this decision is that shark skin is covered in small tooth-like scales called dermal denticles, which the fish choose to use as basically a sandpaper. <laughs> 
despite, you know, putting their life at risk every time they do this. It's quite possible, though, that these denticles are actually better at removing parasites and other issues than sand and other substrates. That's the only reason the scientists can think of that these fish would be willing to risk their lives to do that. So it's interesting to see. And it's also interesting that there are no known land species that do this. Obviously, more studies need to be done, but this is a really interesting first step in understanding this weird, unique marine phenomenon. So I've mentioned this on the podcast before, but uh, I am a huge NFL football fan. Specifically, my team is the Baltimore Ravens. And that is one reason that I am so proud of the Ronnie Stanley Foundation. Ronnie Stanley is one of the most amazing players on the Ravens. And uh, he recently started a foundation, the mission of which is to improve the quality of life for rescue dogs and individual humans in need. The foundation trains and cultivates the therapeutic properties of rescue dogs to be matched with individuals who have faced various life challenges such as illness, emotional trauma, and other hardships. These matches are even more meaningful because rescue dogs are placed in their forever homes. By training rescue dogs to be basically therapy dogs, the Ronnie Stanley Foundation is giving new hope to humans and animals. And I love that so much. I am so proud of Ronnie. That is so cool. And yeah, I'm also including this story in part because my patron and friend and listener, Kristen Khalil, is a huge Browns fan. And the Browns and Ravens compete with each other, and it's a whole thing. So, um, well, I just had to put it in here. But uh, love you, Kristen. And uh, more importantly, go Ravens! All right, y'all, it is a really light week for animal holidays, but I do want to start off by saying that we are right in the middle of Hanukkah. So to everyone who celebrates Hanukkah, happy Hanukkah, which runs through Monday, December 6th. Yay, Hanukkah. Anyway, as far as our weeks are concerned, the week starting on Sunday, December 5th, is Walrus Awareness Week. Now, for those of you who have listened, you know that I got to meet walruses at the Indianapolis Zoo and shared that with you uh, in an episode. That was amazing. So yeah, if you are not aware of how amazing walruses are... Maybe check that episode out during the week of the 5th to the 11th so that you too can celebrate Walrus Awareness Week. Also, I remember this from last year, but every time that I go to say Walrus Awareness Week, if I don't slow down, I say Walness every time. I said it three times when recording this tonight. Granted, I'm exhausted, but still. And I remember this from back when I did the episode and talked about Walrus Awareness Week that I kept saying, Walness Awareness Week, Walness Awareness Week. See, it just, it rolls off the tongue. Maybe we should rename the species. And now for our individual days, on Friday, December 3rd, we celebrate World Kawadi Day. Saturday, December 4th, is not only opening night for Million Dollar Quartet at Delaware Theatre Company, and is also the night that back in 1956, Million Dollar Quartet actually took place, but more importantly to literally all of you except for me, it is both International Cheetah Day and World Wildlife Conservation Day. 
two really awesome days, as well as, you know, being MDQ day. And then, y'all, that's it. Walrus Awareness Week, or Walnuts Awareness Week, if you want to be wrong, is so important that no animals get their own days because it is all about the walruses, y'all. So there we have it, folks. Another week of Rasafari Zoo news is in the books. And only an hour after I normally release it. Pretty impressive, buddy. Now I'm going to sleep, possibly all the way until my show at 8 p.m. tomorrow. But first, I want to say thank you to Lara Shank, my Red Panda-level patron, and also to everyone who contributed to this episode, including Kristen Khalil, Dylan Hoy, Anya Keen, Colleen Lenahan, Lexi Kidder, and Crystal Chapman. Thank you all so, so very much for helping me out with this one. I needed it this week, y'all. And remember, y'all, Sleepy John backwards is something that I'm too tired to figure out. The Rossafari Podcast is produced, hosted, and engineered by John Rossi. Editing and fact-checking by John and Dr. Zoe Vesley Gross. Our theme song is Sevens by Nathan Burke, performed by Nathan and John. Interrupting John theme and additional voices by Taylor Isaac Gray. You can reach John directly on Instagram and Facebook at Rossafari or by email at rossafaripod at gmail.com. Rossafari is part of the Daydreamer Media Network. Now, stop listening to me and go visit a zoo.